A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tools. Tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. Today's episode is called, Sometimes When You Lose, You Really Win. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt Two-Rumpets. How's it going, Matt? Happy birthday. Oh, yeah. It is my birthday, too, isn't it? Oh, it's going great. I've actually been single-parenting it the last couple of days as the wife's been off at a writer's conference. So I'm having a blast staying up late and watching horror movies with a kid. Sounds like a great way to see your birthday in. It's good to be back on a Sunday show as well, Matt. Thank you to you and Chris for filling in for me. Chris did okay. Oh, yeah, he was great. You know, he got the he got the intro first take. And, you know, if, honestly, if it wasn't for some bad audio, it would have just been brilliant. The comments I got back were, again, yeah, on the panel, he's terrible. But as a host, he's somehow okay. So well done, Chris. Thank you very much. And this week, we had high drama at Silverstone. But this week, it was drama of a different sort, an extremely tense strategy battle where both teams were forced to lay their cards on the table uh, as to the manner in which they are approaching this championship. Yeah, we did. We did see a, um, we did, we, well... Yeah, we did. We, we, I think you could clearly see the difference in what the teams were thinking and where their priorities lay based on the uh, strategy decisions they made. That would be absolutely correct. We are an independent podcast hosted by MissedApexPodcast.com. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so you can play this with kids in the background or at work. We're joined this week on the panel by Anil Singh Palmer, chemist... Social media, lovely hair, extraordinaire. What can't you do? What can't, oh, you're putting me on the spot, Spanners. Um, I don't like tea. I can't drink tea. Shocking. Also joining us is John Monroe, who is a member of Downforce UK and the reigning Mazda Max 5 champion in the UK and also our token jock. How's it going, John? It's going great, thanks, Spanners. How are you? I'm good. I promise that I didn't just get you on because Paul DeResta was on and we wanted some tokenism. I'm going to need some convincing. And to help us out with the chat room, because it's become very, very hectic in there, is one of the chat room moderators. It's Michael, a.k.a. Fatal Drum. Hello, Michael. Hey, Spanners. 
you're going to help us out by picking out the prime chat room comments to, uh, to, for us to read out the things that are relevant and also select comment of the week. Yeah, I will be deciding comment of the week. All bribes are welcome. Um, so if you really want it, just message me and I'll give you my bank account details. All good. We encourage that here. Now, your band was also a sponsor of Missed Apex Podcast at one point. What's the band called? Yeah, we're called 12 Gauge Outrage. You'll find us on all social media. Um, we're on Spotify as well. Two albums up on there. So check it out. Do 12 it. Gauge Outrage. Yeah, it's hard music. And uh, speaking of the chat room that you're going to be moderating and keeping an eye on, if you want to join them, go to YouTube and find Missed Apex Podcast. Subscribe to us and then click the little bell and you'll get a notification every time we go live. Well, it's hungry. It is renowned, Anil, for being very, very hard to overtake. It is also renowned for being Lewis Hamilton territory. And this is the first time we've had a track like this, maybe apart from Monaco, with these new regulations. How did the two mesh? Well, the really interesting thing about this track is that, as you say, it's a bit like Monaco in that you've got loads of medium speed corners, a few tight corners. It's not fast and flowing like Silverstone where we were last time. If you look at a track like Silverstone, you get to see the cars going what, 200 miles an hour through incredibly long corners. Yeah. It's not, it's one of those tracks where watching a car go around hungry, it doesn't look particularly exciting, but actually some of the corners are very challenging. It's very physically exhausting for the drivers. It's exhausting because they don't get any rest and the next corner comes very quickly. And these, these cars now are wider. They are harder to follow. And I think that may have killed hungry as a spectacle. And I've always loved this track. Yeah, well, over the last few years, it's actually given us really, really good racing. And I guess a lot of that's because you tend to see drivers on different strategies with strategies converging, and you see a lot of battling towards the end of the race. But as you say, unless there is unless there is a difference in tyre strategy, you're not going to get loads of racing here because it's so hard to follow and the straight's actually very short. Yeah, it's a shame it's kind of interrupted this flow of great races where actually the regulations have looked like we're seeing a hark back to, you know, the old classic Formula One and some great strategic battles. But I think this is just a, a bridge too far for these new cars to, to make exciting racing. Yeah, I completely agree. That said, I know it's compared to Monaco. For me, Monaco is too extreme in how difficult it is to get proper racing. Yeah, this is, it. for me, it's the limit. And yeah. I, I like the track, but, you know, Monaco is a step too far. John, you're a racer. Do you feel like you'd be restricted going around here in these new cars? Um, I think it, I think it'd be a good fun circuit to drive around. It would be a frustrating one for overtaking, and it kind of it really does push the drivers who are willing to be a bit more aggressive. And it, it's a really really good kind of base for conflict. This track, I think you'll find a lot of drivers will have fallouts, and you know we saw a bit of that today. And it is an easy yeah, track for instance to occur because you're going to have to take risks if you want to make any moves. And I actually thought the cars did look quite impressive, especially I noticed there was a particular camera angle that um, Liberty Media seemed very keen on going around the final corner. Um, the, and the cars, to be honest, looked actually they looked really, really good going around the last corner. They looked really planted and quick. So I still think it was a good spectacle. Um, but it was just a shame that, that the strategy and things to do with the race were bubbling up so nicely towards the end. And it just the track does not allow the overtaking to really make that, that strategy, the potential, um, at least turn into overtakes and exciting racing. I'll tell you what, though, still, Matt, I rated that race, you know, a good 7 out of 10. I had a really good time over 90 minutes watching it unfold. I was on the edge of my seat. Maybe it's because, you know, I'm a Lewis Hamilton fan and I wanted him to get back up to the front. But even having seen him fail to win the race, I can still say I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, well, and if you were a Vettel fan, you were like, oh, my God, the steering, will it hold up? So I, I think there was plenty for fans of the top teams in Verstappen making that charge after his penalty there was plenty to watch 
what there wasn't, and I think where these cars fall most short, is it's not really the overtaking. It's the being able to run close and sort of battle back and forth in corners. Because what we saw very clearly at this track was that no one really got close enough to get a front wing by a rear wheel at the very front of the field. And and if there was something missing for me, it was that. But if you were watching timing sectors, yeah, it was brilliant stuff. And the tiniest mistakes made the biggest difference, too. That was also fun. Okay, just going to pause the show there slightly. Your, your audio's taking a turn. Do you think there's any little things you could try, Matt, at all? The chat says it's okay, but I'm hearing fuzz as well. Okay, that might actually make a difference. Okay, so go go for it again. Okay, Matt, tell us about qualifying, because uh, I, I desperately want to talk about Paul DeResta. Uh, Ricciardo, though, were looking really, really strong in FP3 and kind of gave us a hint that Red Bull were going to be really strong here. Well, I, I think qualifying uh, was interesting. Uh, the Ricciardo thing was, of course, he lost running time in FP3, and they didn't look nearly as good on the Saturday as they did on on the Friday. And we saw that play out uh, in terms of his times compared to Verstappen. And uh, really, that was it. Red Bull looked like they were going to be a joker on Friday, but really, when push came to shove, they're not there yet. And especially they're not there in qualifying, which is where Ferrari and Mercedes tend to trade the advantage back and forth. Yeah. And then probably the biggest news out of qualifying was that, unfortunately, Felipe Massa, although not seriously ill, was just unable to take part in the rest of the weekend. Such a shame that he didn't just dip out after FP2 because we ended up with Deresta John coming in with like zero, absolutely zero practice laps before qualifying. If only he'd have just been able to get FP3 in. Yeah, it's it's really hard to explain as well how tough that is for a driver, you know. And I, obviously, I, I understand why Felipe gave it a go on on Saturday morning. And I, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was, you know, obviously hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I wouldn't say it was a bad decision. Um, just as it turned out, he wasn't quite ready. And throwing Paul, I think there was something quite entertaining about seeing seeing a driver that was so comfortable, kind of sitting on Sky Sports and doing his analysis to just jump in a car, and he suddenly looked like a little nervous kid again. And uh, I actually really enjoyed seeing him. I think I think he had a great time. And uh, he did a fantastic job, in my opinion, in qualifying to get used to that car. I mean, you say he had 16 minutes. He didn't even have that. I mean, he had probably about three or four hot laps. And to get himself up to within just over half a second off his teammate, you know, highly respectable. And you can't really expect anything more. So, no, I mean, for him, he had nothing to gain and nothing to lose really this weekend. Um, probably more to gain, but but absolutely nothing to lose whatsoever. So, yeah, it was it was really nice to see that. Wow. Showing your Scottish bias there. Firstly, it was 0.7 seconds off Stroll. Look Just over you. half a second. Look at you That's... trying to round it to half a second. <laughs> uh, and secondly, I mean, it, it was Stroll who, although he did he beat Massa, I think, in Silverstone. But apart from that, he's been way off the pace. Now, I don't want to throw cold water on Durest, what Durest has done, Anil. But, you know, it was just a really interesting insight to see what can somebody cold to this series jump in and do who's not had the practice who's not got his eye in and it was fascinating him watching him on the sky pad kind of honestly going through where he'd missed apexes and where he could have gone faster and where he was just trying to keep it on the track yeah because i I guess the most important thing for paul was just not to crash the car he just wanted to keep it on track and be respectable it was really interesting to hear him say you know i was very careful on the corner exits not using too much throttle i was avoiding the curb uh, i was playing it safe and then for him to do all of that and only be seven tenths off Lance Stroll, I think says more about Stroll as well, because Paul made it sound like he was being really cautious. So when I saw oh, his right. lap time, I was like, oh, um, you know, Stroll should be further up. But he did a really good job. 
and it would be cool to see him on the grid one day again. But I, you know, I, I don't know if there's any space for him. But no, he did a really good job. And uh, and he was saying that you know I was gaining half a second every lap to kind of very much suggest that he would have hunted Stroll down quickly. How's the chat room going there, Michael? Yeah, we have uh, a few things coming through. We have Will McAlpine saying the rest should retire permanently and open a, a cafe called Paul the Restaurant. Oh, uh, Felix asked what he'd serve, and the answer was haggis, haggis, haggis. And as me and John were discussing earlier, haggis is, is a wild animal, for those of you who don't know, who run around the top of mountains with two legs shorter than the other. Um, <laughs> Matt, how did the team from Murka do? Um, they did not have their very best of outings. They actually struggled all weekend long, but, uh, they, they, they really, um, I think they just took it on the chin. They, they were not prepared for, uh, something was cashing them out, uh, in terms of the balance of the car. And I just, they were not really able to ever get on top of it. Well, not just qualifying, but in practice as well. It seemed like every time there was a yellow flag or double yellow, there was a hats off the track. It, it just seems to constantly be happening. Uh, I know it seems to be worse this weekend, but they just really seem to be struggling with braking and balance and setup. I don't know if that's just the inexperience in the team showing, but there's constant, like Grosjean is constantly going off the track and just feels really unsure about being able to throw the car into a corner. Yeah, I would agree with that, but it was particularly egregious at this track. We've seen other tracks where they put in faster times and been okay in qualifying. I think, I think the, the car itself has a very small setup window and they, 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 we have seen them struggle with tires and tire temperatures. And uh, not that I want to get into it too much, but it was uh, much lower pressure tires for Hungary than there were in Silverstone. So that might have played into it as well. Because, again, as a team, they simply lack the data that all the other teams now have. They have years and years and years of historical tire data to look at when they model stuff. Haas only has this. This is only their, what, second year? So so any time things like that change, they are going to be at a disadvantage. And speaking of uh, struggling, as you were earlier, uh, Hamilton really struggled to put anything together during the practice sessions. I think it was FP2. He suddenly popped up there and looked really strong. But then on the Saturday, he didn't look good, Anil, and he, he couldn't put it together. Very similar to Russia. This time, you know, no issues, nothing really stopping him. N- not, no yellow flags stopped his best times. Nothing got in his way. He just purely couldn't put together a lap today uh, on Saturday. You mentioned something really interesting in the last podcast, Banners, where you said... Lewis doesn't seem to be doing any like 95% lap. No. Just every lap, he's just trying to nail it 100%. Yeah. And this was just one of those weekends where he couldn't quite get it, especially turn four. One thing that I, I noticed is that Ferrari have had three one twos in qualifying this year. And on each occasion, Hamilton's been beaten by Bottas. So it does just seem to be the case when Ferrari is strong, whatever it is that's making Ferrari stronger than Mercedes, he's just not quite there on being able to deal with whatever it is in the car. John, let's have your take. Yeah, well, it's just what you were saying there is really interesting. And I, I, I'd like to just say, you know, I've noticed that as well with Ferrari. When they when they're quicker than the Mercedes, I think maybe what Lewis does is he tries too hard to find what he can do differently. And he thinks it's maybe he, he struggles to accept, you know, when the car isn't the quickest. He's been used to it for so many years. And I think maybe he tries so hard to try and find something different that Bottas ends up, you know, Bottas is able to extract the best out of it and is used to not having the best car. And I think he's able to kind of find his limit no matter what. So when, when the car's on form, Hamilton is more relaxed and he can do it. But when he's behind the Ferraris, maybe he just overdrives a little bit and ends up costing him. Yeah, and I think all that is true. But still, we saw in the uh, interviews with Wolf, there were clearly issues getting the tires where they wanted them, especially with Hamilton's car. And there was vague talk of other things being issues that were never properly addressed. What he complained about consistently through Q2 and Q3 was a vibration. 
that, that was not going away. And I think the big surprise was that he did put a lap together, and that was his last lap in Q2 with just a couple of minutes left. Uh, that was a really, really, really good lap, and he was unable to match it in Q3. Yeah, after that lap, I thought he was going to take pole position because that was actually the first lap record. Um, and I saw Spanner's tweet after that saying, oh, Lewis is struggling and he just broke the lap records. And as a Ferrari fan, I had my hand in my, my head in my hands. But yeah, no, he just seemed to struggle again. Um, and I guess his first run in Q3 caused him some problems. He made a mistake, which then put him out of sync for the second run. I do just wonder about the timing of his second run, though, because he ended up catching, I think it was Kimi Raikkonen at the end, which I think probably cost him some time in the dirty air. I do think he actually might have beaten Bottas if it wasn't for that. Yeah, and look, he's obviously not had a good session because normally on an equal Saturday, you would think that he could beat Bottas by about half a second. A couple of sessions, he's beaten Bottas by 0.7 seconds and Bottas has been kind of stuck scratching his head saying, how come I'm so far back? So yeah, there could be an issue with overdriving. There could be an issue of when the car isn't set up perfectly he's still trying to drive it as if they've he's got epic downforce grip and everything's just gonna go the way he normally wants it to whereas Bottas is sitting there at 95 percent trying to put his bank collapse in and there does seem to be a strong correlation with this now when the Mercedes is doing well Hamilton can get everything out of it when it's not maybe he's not taking that step back and making sure he gets the bank collapse in how what's the chat room up to Michael so Hannah Hassel is saying that she thinks the Merc isn't as good as the Ferrari, but Lewis almost convinces himself that it's him, not the car, that the problem is coming from. Possible. Um, Blackout 19 said he missed one of his runs due to tire vibrations, and it didn't seem to get into his rhythm after that. But fair points, both of them. Yeah, that's right. He was complaining about balance on the tires. But again, can we listen to him when he's complaining about his tires? Because he'll complain about his tires, then then smash in like the fastest lap of the race. Uh, but Ferrari, Matt, really performed one two lockout uh we thought they might do well at this track and they delivered yeah they did and apparently a large part of it or at least a large part of it that was talked about was uh giovanazzi who left the track covered in shame after driving a sauber into a wall again during his practice session again flown back to marinello and as punishment was locked into the ferrari simulator for 24 straight hours until he came up with a decent setup for the Ferraris, who did not look all that great on Friday, but clearly sorted it out for Saturday and Sunday. All right, then. Let's go on to the race, boys. And the race is where Lewis Hamilton got his pace back. Unfortunately, Hungary is the wrong place to have a bad day on a Saturday. So, Matt, why not tell us where the race was won and lost? I will do that. But first, I must correct myself. It was a Haas that Giovinazzi put into the wall, not a Sauber. Yes, that's right. Last year was where he put a Sauber into the wall in China, if I recall. Yeah, he's put so many cars into the wall at this point. It's getting hard to keep track. I will be honest at my age. Do you know what? I did do a, a BBC. I just tweeted them and I said, like, you know, from now on, only bother reporting when Palmer hasn't got an issue or has crashed. It's the same with Giovinazzi. We'll just assume he's in the wall unless you tell us otherwise. Yes. Well, as far as the race being won and lost, of course, qualifying, especially at Hungary, is generally where the race can be won or lost. And in this case, it was absolutely won. And and the issue that dominated the race started the moment that Sebastian Vettel's Ferrari was dropped off the jacks to take the formation lap. Something went slightly bonkers with his steering. And it was an issue that just kept on getting worse throughout the race. And he knew about it on the formation lap. But but 
as they started and he was able to maintain his place, his pace and his dealing with that issue would would set the stage for everything else that followed. Yeah, so he ended up having a problem and putting a nice convenient chain in. I think, Anil, you were being a bit harsh when you were saying, you know, the only way we can get a good Formula One race now is to have the leader have an issue. Uh, but, you know, that definitely was the case t- today. Hey, success ballast. It, it's clearly working. You know, whenever someone's winning a Grand Prix, just do something to the car, take a tyre out. It makes it great. Uh, I was really surprised by Ferrari's pace in that first stint, though. I expected the pack would be closer together, but Vettel and Kimi were yeah, really pulling away from Bottas. Um I know we're going to talk about the Red Bull incident later on, but I'm, I'm really gutted that Verstappen got the uh, a, a bit of red mist on his teammate. He said after qualifying that he wasn't going to make any friends on track, and he yeah, he literally didn't. Cool. So, Matt, Verstappen, getting back on topic, Anil, uh, was doing quite well. Anil is right, but he was told to keep off the curbs, and as I'm sure John will testify, that means you've just got a lot less racetrack to play with. And I have to say, looking at him, he didn't actually look like he was paying all that much attention to it, but the pace clearly did drop when he started doing that after that order. Yeah, well, it wasn't, as was pointed out, it wasn't so apparent with the super soft tires, and I think Mercedes were struggling with those, and, you know, if you're looking at qualifying, then it makes sense that they weren't on top of the supers, Supers are what you need for qualifying. They qualified uh, where they did. But when when the teams all switched to the soft tires, the pace differential was staggering. You had Vettel basically running 122s and just trying to maintain. And as soon as Verstappen got out on his fresh tires, he was in the 120s immediately two seconds faster. And the fact is that even when Vettel lifted his pace, only in the last two or three laps did we see a 120 out of them. It was mostly 121s and low 122s the whole rest of the race. And and that determined the strategy for Ferrari because as the Mercedes began to catch up on the soft tires, Ferrari faced a very important decision because Raikkonen was all over the radio saying, basically, I don't want to be put into this position of having to defend against the Mercedes when my car is ahem very clearly faster than Vettel's, and uh, Ferrari's radio answer was, well, as they say in the business, crickets. Fair enough, Matt. I'm just going to have one more try. Can you just back away from the mic a little bit more? Because there's definitely just some dis- distort. It's just distortion. I think it's not a hardware. It's not a software issue. So, how are you getting on with the chat room, Michael? Are you lo- are they losing you? Uh, chat room isn't really interested in talking about tires. Really, um, they kind of get bored by that kind of stuff. I think. Um, Joshua mentioned that in Formula E yesterday, Boemi had the same kind of issue, um, begging Hannah not to time him out because he's mentioned in Formula E. No dice, do it, time him out. Uh, Matt, I know you said to me earlier in the WhatsApp that the safety car wasn't really significant, but if we hadn't have had that safety car, would it have impacted the tyre strategy a bit? Like, could Ferrari have been in more danger? Uh, well, I think all the cars would have been strained. The the issue at Hungary is is uh, degradation, and you didn't really see any car, I think, on the limit because they were all that worried about how the tires were going to play out. And part of the reason is the tires this year were designed with mule cars, not with actual cars with actual downforce. So you have the teams playing little games to try and advantage themselves and also to hide what they think is actually going to happen. And the downside of that is the Pirellis are a little bit of a mystery. They had to sort of guess at what they, the energy they thought they would have to deal with at various tracks. And at Hungary, the degradation and the fronts uh, or the rears can suffer either one, depending upon understeer or oversteer condition. 
And uh, no, I don't. I think Ferrari uh, basically had better balance to the car. I think if anyone was going to suffer, it was going to be the Mercedes if, if they were forced to go long. And uh, the safety car would have caused trouble if it had shown up around lap 15 to 18, because that's where people would have been thinking, maybe I can make the softs last that long uh, versus the amount of time I would say on a pit stop. But lap one or two, no one was going to bother to try and go the whole distance. And that's that's why I said it wasn't important. Now, John, I know you're a massive Lewis Hamilton fan, but it was kind of good to hear him not on the radio as much this week. Oh, it was it was a blessing, honestly. As soon as, as soon as I had the problem, it, it's the, the problem with Lewis, right? The, it would be fine if he had a working radio when he's out front because it's it's quite chilled usually. There's a few odd things, but it's not too bad. But as soon as he's in traffic, as soon as he's in dirty air and it's having a difficult weekend. He is just so frustrating to listen to on the radio, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, it really was nice to hear him, you know, well, to not hear him, basically. Um, but saying saying that, I also kind of enjoyed it when he got the radio back. Um, you know, it, 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 it's one of those things. It was a shame for him. And, you know, of course, he had something to say. He had to say that he would have stayed out longer on those set of tires and things like that. But, you know, it was just, just one of those things. And yeah, as I say, it was nice for the years. Now, I think, Anil, you young liberals call it optics. And I think that sometimes when Lewis is constantly, you know, complaining about the balance or the cars or the tyres, even though he is probably, in his mind, just going through the normal process with the engineers of getting peak performance, it seems a lot of times like he's unsettled or he's down or he's negative. And we were spared that this race. It's one of those things where it comes across far worse than I think it actually is. And as you say, there have been occasions this season where he's said, oh, the tyres feel terrible, the tyres feel terrible. And then you will just see a message on the screen that says fastest lap. So it definitely comes across a lot worse than it actually is. Um, one thing I will point out is I didn't actually get to hear a lot of the team radio for this race today because I was with a few people watching the race. Did both Mercedes have the same radio issue or was it just Lewis? Because I completely missed that. I think they both did to a certain extent. I think they fixed Bottas's a bit quicker uh, is all. But yeah, Matt, uh, when he did come back on, he was saying, I could have gone longer. I could have gone longer on those tyres. But to be honest, I don't think it would have been a good idea to go longer with Max going longer, Max being very fighty and it being hungry. Right. Well, the issue is uh, Lewis clearly had pace over Botas. And the thing that the engineers and strategists absolutely were not aware of because his radio out was out was the pace that he potentially had. And when he says long, he's probably talking like an extra lap or two to take the last bit of life out of his tires. Not the same kind of long that Verstappen went, because Verstappen, of course, had that 10 second penalty hung on him. Yeah. So I think in the end, it was probably good that you didn't get to fight uh, to come in. So Kimmy, though, he was on the radio a lot, Matt. Yeah, he was. And, and I mentioned it earlier, and I'm happy to revisit it here. He was he, he basically knew he had pace over Vettel because Vettel had a problem. And he was pretty much telling Ferrari that if they didn't do anything, he was going to be vulnerable to the Mercedes. And he was not the kind of person who wanted to lose yet another podium spot to poor Ferrari decision making. And you're a Kimi Raikkonen fan, aren't you? Were you a little disappointed that he didn't just go for it? The thing is, I don't think he was holding back from Seb at any point. I don't think he do was not. I don't think they were saying to him, drop back, drop back. I think he was generally pushing. And I think what he wanted was for Seb to move to one side, for him to get uh, a clean move past. Um, I was a bit worried watching it that Hamilton may be able to make a move on Raikkonen. But actually, Kimi ended up being safe. Anyway, uh, I don't think Lewis actually had a single attempt at overtaking Raikkonen. It ended up being pretty easy. That said, he was the faster driver. He was the faster Ferrari driver 
today. I, I know Seb had, had problems. I think it goes to show on those more classic circuits, like we saw at Silverstone, Kimmy will push Seb. Um, thankfully for Seb and his championship hopes, Kimmy's not taking points away from him yeah. in the way Bottas has taken them away from Lewis. And that fundamentally is the difference. Faced with a situation where Raikkonen would have been a clear race winner had they moved him past Vettel, Ferrari chose to protect Vettel's championship standing and and roll the dice that Raikkonen could defend from uh, Botas, which turned out, of course, to be Hamilton, as uh, Hamilton managed to argue his way past Valtteri, which I think was correct because I think his car in general was faster. I think the thing is they looked at the pace of the Mercedes cars and they knew that Hamilton was about a second a lap faster than what Kimi was doing. You need to be at least two and a half seconds faster on this track to overtake. So I think they knew they were safe. Of course, they were having to deal with Kimi on the radio. Yeah, but uh, Kimi was not faster because Vettel was slower. This is what I'm saying. We saw Hamilton, who uh, you're going to say, argue if Raikkonen was that slow. Hamilton with a pace advantage of almost a second a lap, unable to get by Raikkonen. Raikkonen would have had no more no more of an advantage over Vettel. He never would have gotten by, and he would have put both the cars into unnecessary danger all over Stappen. He's a smart enough person to know that, and he made his case to the team that if they wanted a sure win, he should be in front, and that's what should have happened, but they chose Vettel instead, and as a result, we got to see the top five finishing within five seconds of each other, which is pretty awesome on its own. Anil? Um, yeah, I, mean, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, on the WhatsApp group earlier, but I think if it was another circuit, I think Ferrari would, would have just tried to protect the win and actually had to leave let Kimi pass because he would have he would have become vulnerable. Um, but it, it is really strange when the slowest car in the top five wins the race. It, it's just quite. I enjoyed it, and that's why we should handicap the leaders as much as we can. Well, it happens here and Monaco. What's going on in the chat, Michael? Okay, we'd just like to welcome someone new to the chat there, Anders Harrison Solby. He said he's new to the chat, but he's a regular podcast listener. Um, Honey Badger gesturing to Mad Max made him sad today. Um, lots of chat about the radio. James Hawley saying Kimmy's radio makes him wondering how social he is around his friends. Um, Baha is saying that the radio is what lost Hamilton the race. And um, Joshua, Joshua Clare is saying Hamilton's verbal explosion when he finally got his radio back was brilliant. I can all agree on that, I think. Beep. And um Sorry. Uh, beep. I'm going to beep out. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and um, just the general opinion about Hamilton letting Bottas by, just everyone think it was a class. It was just really, really, really good of him. Um, that's popping up a fair bit as well. There's a comment from Paul Wright saying, Lewis sounded properly pleased to have his engineer back. They sounded so happy to be talking to each other again. It's like when your friend gets off a plane and you get to see him like, oh, mate, I haven't seen you for years. Okay. It was great. John? Yeah. um, Just want to kind of give my contribution on the the team radio business and also the team orders thing with Ferrari and and Mercedes. I'd like to say that if the... If the positions were the other way around, um, I think you would have seen a very similar thing from both teams. Uh, you know, I think the reason Vettel was able to stay ahead of Kimi is obviously Vettel was ahead in the first place. He had less pace um, because of the issue, and I think that's why you know they they kept they kept Kimi ahead because he was there in the first place. The the whole Mercedes switching thing, you know, that was only a, only a thing because Bottas had taken his place ahead of Hamilton, deservedly so, by out qualifying him and, and literally just being ahead of him in the race. 
that you know the whole thing with the switchback happened. And I think that everyone praising Hamilton for for letting Bottas through, I agree, he definitely deserves praise for it because it was the right thing to do despite the championship position. But at the same time, um, it was it was the the right thing to do. Sim- simple as that, you know, it was the right thing to do. We're basically praising him. I saw a comment earlier on Facebook that was like, you know, we're praising him for for stopping at a red light. You know, it, it, okay, it's a tough thing to do, but it's out of Lewis's character. To, to compromise himself like that for for the team and to do the right thing. So I think that's why everyone's given him so much praise. But at the end of the day, it wasn't anything special that another driver wouldn't have done the same thing. But we've seen the odd example of the other driver absolutely not doing the same thing, haven't we? Multi-21. Absolutely. But yeah, he, he, John does make a good point that that was the agreement. That's what he asked the team to make happen. Uh, and then he came back. And um, in fact, I think he was willing to give that place up much earlier as well. Matt? Yeah, no, I, I was going to go on and say that, or add, that there was a fair element of risk to him giving back the place because Verstappen had caught up to Botas so quickly. And and the Sky commentary was arguing vociferously that they weren't going to be able to make that happen, but he made it happen anyway. And I think that might be part of it as well. Yeah, he had to go to a lot of effort to do it. Speaking of a lot of effort, John, you had to go to a lot of effort to win the MX5 uh, championship last year, which makes you a pretty handy racer. You said you weren't on it uh, this season, but I did see you with pictures of a single-seater racer with downforce ra- radio emblazoned on the rear spoiler. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this year I'm tackling the the British and Scottish hill climb scene and also doing sprinting, which is something I did a couple of years ago before getting into Mazdas. It's kind of where my racing started when I was 16. And uh, I've kind of gone back there, but we've bought a, a nice a nice quick single-seater. Um, Steve Owen has built a car. It's an OMS with a, with a fast bike engine. And we're basically going around a lot, a lot of the hills, hill climbs in the UK and and um, tearing them up, really, just trying to get used to the car and and uh, having a great time. So, no, I'm really, really enjoying that stuff. And you can, if you want to go and see what I'm doing as well, I should also mention you can go and check out my Facebook page and YouTube channel, which is John Monroe Racing, and have a look at some onboards. I've recently picked up a, a set of glasses with an onboard camera, and um, basically like an HD camera in the middle of my glasses. So you can see right from the view there uh, in between my eyes, and it's quite a, quite a good view of what I do. So, yeah, I've been having a great time. Thanks, Spanish. The hill climb is where it's super narrow, charging up a hill and you're one by one doing time trials yes exactly yeah it's basically like rallying on tarmac hills it's a lot shorter the the runs are between you know 35 and, and 60 seconds most of the time and it's just really high adrenaline for a short space of time and uh, yeah it's all about really get, getting up to speed with the car as quick as possible and um yes yeah, it's, it's really a test against nerve as opposed to just you know learning the lines and, and being able to find every tenth of a second it's more just having uh, having the guts to to keep it pinned when you need to and having the confidence without the practice so it's a really really interesting discipline and as i say you can go and have a look at, at what it looks like from from my view on my uh, youtube and facebook channel i will yeah you've definitely uh, sound like you've got a lot of guts there john that sounds horrendous and frightening uh, let's see if there's a little bit more room on your rear wing for a missed apex sticker at some point as well we'll give it a go we'll give it a go and guys if you want to race against the likes of us and if we can convince more of the downforce contributors to come and join us we are going to milton Keynes, daytona and that's at daytona motorsport for an evening race on saturday the 12th of august and i'd like to invite anyone listening to come along and join us at the moment we haven't booked it as an exclusive session or anything like that however the kind folks at daytona motorsport have given missed apex 
podcast listeners for that session a discount. So it's normally £74. However, if you want to come and join us, it's £60 to come and race. At the moment, from the panel, we have myself, we have Alex Jeansy Van Jean, who does a bit of rental car championship stuff. Uh, we have Bradley Philpot. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a racing driver. It's going to be very, very interesting to share some tarmac with him. And we've also got Chris Rainbow Sparkle Stevens, who will be racing for the first time without the aid of the Racing Line Assist. Uh, but we really would like to come, yeah, you to come and join us. If it's just the four of us, that's fine. I know there's a couple of listeners and a couple of guys from the Slack group uh, that have decided to come and join us as well. Um, but if we don't fill up all the groups, it'll just get filled up with randoms anyway. So uh, look for, I think, my pin tweet, at Spanners Ready, and it will be advertised on at Mist Apex F1 as well for details there. Saturday, 12th of August, 7pm start, £60. Come race with us. So my hot take from the race, though, guys... You know I'm a Hamilton fan. You know I'll make a lot of excuses for him. But I really, really think that Lewis Hamilton lost this race rather than Ferrari winning it. I think Hamilton's issues in qualifying and the fact he couldn't put a lap together and get it on there, the fact that this is hungry and it's very hard to get past, made Ferrari look dominant. I think there was potential in the driver-car combination, John, for Lewis Hamilton to win this race. And I think he, he blew it this weekend. I think you could argue, yeah, there was potential. Uh, I think he lost the, the weekend in, in qualifying, but that's not to say that he should have been in first. Um, I, I would, I don't think he lost this race and 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 the weekend. I mean, he had all the chances in qualifying. He, he qualified the car fourth, and um, and that's you know, and he ended up racing to that that the position that he finished. I don't think you know, I don't think you can't say he he didn't have an opportunity to do it. And I believe he lost it on the Saturday. Yes, it's hard for him to overtake, but. Um, you know, you can't really blame anyone but yourself. If the car was there, as you believe, then he didn't do the job. Right. And I just want to go back to FP3 real quick and point out that the entire first half of FP3 was run on soft tires for both Mercedes drivers. And we saw them struggle with the super softs in qualifying. And I would agree with you. I think given if Vettel had had the same steering issues and Hamilton had qualified second and stayed second after the start, he might have had a chance to win the race. Otherwise, no chance. And I think it was Mercedes' focus on the soft tires, especially in FP3, that ultimately let both drivers down. Shed head. What's going on in the shed? So in the shed, um, they're still kind of talking about um, Lewis Litton Bottas, but a lot of conversation going on about that. Um, Joshua Clare did point out the Sky commentary was really lacking today and found himself shouting at the TV several times because Crofty and Davidson missed the action. Um with regards to karting, Rob Graham says, damn, he wishes you could race your spanners. He's asking you if to, to buy him a ticket from Toronto. Uh, I don't know if it. the Patreon money will go that far, though. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, then. So what I really want to talk uh, talk about now, guys, is where the teams stand with their drivers. Obviously, we've touched on it, but I said, yes, Lewis Hamilton blew it in qualifying. I think this could have been his weekend. But let's not forget, Anil, that Ferrari pulled a blinder today they've treated it as a team sport and mercedes if they're going to challenge for the driver's title need to make the same decision and anybody who thinks the driver's title isn't the most important championship out there is uh, is drunk because it is the teams want the driver's title that is the prestige title you can talk to me about step payments all you want the driver's title is the one they want mercedes need to match ferrari's tactics i agree i think um we're having this really up and down season where at one race, Ferrari seems to be stronger. At other races, Mercedes seems to be stronger. And actually, certainly since Monaco, 
Mercedes have been the stronger team. When you're the stronger team, you need to maximise your result. And I guess the difficulty for Mercedes is the fact that mathematically, Bottas is close to Hamilton. And actually, if it wasn't for his engine blowout in Spain, I think they would have been nearly equal on points. It's, it's an easier decision for Ferrari because Kimi was Kimi disappeared for the first half of the season and he's been quite unlucky. But the fact that Ferrari can give Vettel you know, the opportunity and the right strategies to give him a chance to you know, get be ahead of Kimi and maximise the championship result... It's going to put Mercedes in a really difficult situation. I do, I do think Merck will be the stronger team in the second half of the season, but will those drivers take points off each other and will they maximise those results? Uh, I don't know. I, I think Ferrari, I think it's looking good for Vettel and Ferrari, even though they don't necessarily have the best car. And I don't want to steal your thunder, Michael, but um, Rob Graham just said there, does that include Bottas helping uh, Lewis? And Matt, I think, yes, it does. I think if they want to focus and, and copy and mirror uh, Ferrari's tactics, then Bottas needs to do what Kimi does. Get out of the way quickly. Play. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Are you really gonna? Well, yeah except for that's not the way Mercedes as a team has ever operated. And I think you risk damaging what works if you're going to change the underpinnings of the team that much. The drivers at this point have, have operated under uh, the first driver gets the best strategy, and we won't pick favorites till one of you is all but mathematically eliminated. And that has worked very well for them, and it's worked very well for them the last three years. And if they need to change it, then they need to start by being upfront with the drivers at the beginning of the season. And if you change it halfway through, I mean, I don't know, there's a lot of money involved. And as a professional, you can sort of say, well, yeah, all right, I'll take my check and, 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 and leave my ego at home. But I think if you're a driver, the way they operate, perhaps that's more easily said than done for certain people. And uh, anyway, those are my thoughts. I think I like the fact that Mercedes has said, this is how we operate our team. And if we go down, we go down swinging. 
I just, Wait, um, I- sorry, John, I just had to put a kneel in timeout in the chat room for suggesting that Bottas was going to win the championship. Sorry, mate. 300 seconds and then you're back in. Uh, John. No, I was just going to say, um, I don't think you can compare this year to the last three years for Mercedes. You know, it's obviously, and I think we all know that it's a completely different championship. They've not just got themselves to look out for. They've got the Ferraris right there. And I think, to be honest, what Mercedes we really want right now is Bottas to have a crash or have a, have a mechanical in some ways, because it just makes it so much easier for them, because then they can say, OK, now, you know, we have a, a very easy reason to put Hamilton first and let's just do it instead of worrying about Bottas being there as well. You know, I think Bottas has done a great job this year and Mercedes have, you know, it's, it's great. And I think it's really, really good for the sport that they're letting them kind of both of them have a fair chance. But at the same time, obviously, especially for Hamilton fans, it's frustrating. And for Lewis himself, of course, it's frustrating. I think the Mercedes team bosses will be, you know, they'll be biting their nails about it. They'll they'll be really wanting to, to you know, they'll be wanting to allow themselves to, to make it easier for Lewis. But at the end of the day, they're giving Bottas a fair shout and it's just a bit too close for them. I honestly think they'd, they wouldn't mind um, in many ways if, if something was to happen to Bottas in a race to make Lewis, you know, the sole contender. Chat room, shedhead. Shedheads, um, sheds are kind of debating which more important Ferrari or Mercedes, either the Constructors' Championship or the Drivers' Championship. Yep. Um, Joshua Clare thinks Ferrari are all about the Drivers' title. Yes. Um, Hannah Hassel seems to think Bottas has been better than Mercedes thought. Um, I agree with that totally. I don't think they expected Bottas to be really in the championship fight. Um, and uh, Philip Allen there saying that the best result was for McLaren to get up into ninth place. That was pretty unbelievable. Excellent. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, this debate, let's, uh, let's have it, you know, email me at spanners, uh, spannersready at gmail.com or at spannersready on Twitter because the whole time I've been watching Formula One, and that is going back some XX years now, it has always been the driver's title that carries the prestige. There might be a bit more cash with the constructor's title, but when you talk about who's celebrating, who people are cheering on, it's always been the driver's title. I'm amazed that people think that a team would prioritize the the team championship. I really, really don't think this this case. But please, please do disagree with me. And I know people in the chat room are disagreeing. Now it is time for my favorite part of the show. Whose fault is this? Now, blissfully, I have a week with my family away, so I can do things without having to apportion blame. However, there is no such thing as a racing incident in my household. Everything has to have blame attached to it, and the blame inevitably falls on me. So I'm going to take this out on the chat room. Matt, this is our chance to talk about racing, the actual racing side of it, and what we think the drivers can and can't do. So we don't apportion racing incidents, we apportion blame. The Red Bull boys... Christian Horner gave Red Bull drivers the instruction, don't hit each other in turn one, turn two. Max had the scruffiest start and he ended up just, I've never seen a radiator burst from a contact with a front wheel before. Ah, Max managed it. Yeah. And if we're going to lay blame on that, clearly that's down to the Mercedes poor start, which brought the two Red Bull teammates side by side into turn two, which caused the whole thing. Anil, give me your hot take on the Red Bull boys. It made me laugh how after qualifying, both of them were saying, oh, we're going to get our, our elbows greasy tomorrow. We're going to not make many friends. And Verstappen took it very literally. He was like, yeah, you know what? I've had enough of my teammate. It, it seemed to me that for some reason he got pushed out wide at third one. I think Bottas yes. came across him a little bit. Um, and it, it just seems as though he knew it's a very hard track to overtake on. He then had his own teammate going past him. He just thought almost out of frustration and a bit of red mist. Like, oh, no, I'm not letting you through. It was just really clumsy. 
really clumsy. And, you know, Ricardo's reaction after the race said it all. He was not happy with him. Yeah, I, I think the commenters called it amateurish after the race, what he did. And, and it was. It just it was very poor decision making by someone who was very young. Go figure. I, I I disagree that it was it was necessarily decision making. I think um, you know from from my perspective, thinking of a driver's point of view, I I, I think he had a, a very exciting start, and I think that might have caused it. You know, I think when he was when he went across the the curbing, his adrenaline is running really high, he, his heart rate's going. I think he's heading into the left hander. He's maybe seeing the the TV screens, thinking, oh, you know, if I'm pushing myself up to third place here, it's going to look great. I'm punching, you know, I'm, I'm pushing right up there with the Ferraris. I'm ahead of the Mercs. And I honestly think his heart was just racing too much. He was he had too much adrenaline going, and he just didn't quite react the way he should have. He wasn't as careful as he should have. He locked up. I do not think there was any kind of intent in it at all, other than to just just you know obviously try and try and hold it down alongside Ricardo. But I really don't think he was thinking of Ricardo when it happened. I simply oh we lost John. He's going to jump in any second now. He made a mistake. He made a mistake, and he hit Ricardo. Well, you did cut out for a bit, but we'll just infer uh, what you were saying, chat. Now you're on mute, Michael. Don't worry, it happens to the best of us. So the chat are kind of blaming Max. Um, Joshua Clear so. saying everything is Max's fault. Uh, <laughs> North Korea, Trump, Brexit, it's all for Stappen's <laughs> fault. Um, Sandra Reynolds says Max went to the school of Seb, getting red mist. Uh, Baha, Baha says that Max is too raw. It's all always or nothing with him. Yep, absolutely. Matt, he just got a bit greedy, didn't he? Yeah, at the end of the day, he was he was in a very difficult to defend position with Ricardo coming up the inside, and he just did not want to yield the position, and he was unable. and And actually, I think uh, Horner said it's probably lucky that Rick, Ricciardo was there because otherwise, he probably would have gone entirely off the track. <laughs> and, and I, I think that's I, I think that was it might not have been Horner. Somebody said that. And I and I think that's pretty much just the truth. He 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 got excited and he missed his breaking point or and that was it. And and I I was going to agree with Mr. Monroe about intent. I don't think he intended to take his teammate out by any stretch of the imagination, but that was a practical application of the whole thing. In a way, it's kind of Vettel's fault. Because Vettel, Vettel's breaking into turn one affected Kimi, which affected Max. So really, it's um, I'm blaming Seb on this one. I'm, I'm going, I'm going rogue. I'm joking. It's definitely Max's fault. And and of course, the stewards agreed and gave him a 10 second penalty to be added to his pit stop, which is really, really strange because, you know, there was a big deal made at the beginning of the season about how they were just going to let them race. And we were talking about turn one incidents being not penalized. But more and more throughout the course of the season, they really have been throwing down the ban hammers on racing incidents. Matt? Yeah. So why didn't Perez get uh, a penalty for running directly into Ocon in exactly the same place in exactly the same manner? Yeah. And uh, instead, Perez just is five five places up the road, and 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 apparently that's okay. Yeah, I agree I with really you. Don't understand. That. I agree with you. I think the stewarding has been woefully inconsistent across the season, and specifically today, they were all over the place, John. To, to be honest, today's today's decision with Max, I think should. I think that's the right decision. Uh, I think he he's taken someone out of the race. It doesn't matter if it's your teammate or not. He's made the mistake and caused the retirement of another driver. They didn't punish him with a drive through or a stop and go, which would have been worse. They gave him a ten. I, I honestly think that was 
for what it was, the correct decision. The issues have been the other decisions that they've made that have then made this one questionable, and you start talking about consistency. But I think this exact incident today, to be honest, it's exactly the right decision. But if it happened on another lap in the race, I think a 10-second penalty or drive-through may be appropriate, but it's the first lap, and they, they always say, oh, it's the first lap, we'll let it slide. And it just seems strange to see a penalty this time. There, there has to be like a firm rule, unless they've seen something in the data that makes them think he, he did it deliberately, which we didn't. Well, you know, in my opinion, I look back to something like 2016. You know, imagine if Hamilton had missed his breaking point, locked up, smashed into Rosberg, taken him out of the race. But it's the first lap. You know, it's a mistake. We'll let it go. Uh, and why would that be any different? Just because it's a championship I fight, just because those two were going for a championship. Yes. Why should there be any difference there? You know, I think that everyone would cry if Ros- if Hamilton wasn't given a big penalty, you know, in this particular example. So, yeah, I, I just think it's the right decision. OK, let's uh, let's move on blaming people, Matt. Let's go to the example that you gave us there which was Perez and Ocon ah yes right so we're blaming uh we're blaming Perez here who in my opinion clearly has got you know he's got a stick uh firmly poking his behind in the form of Ocon and he was quite happy to run his teammate out of road and that's a sin yeah I think my favorite post-race comment was uh you shouldn't call your teammate unintelligent and then go do something like that it it was harsh. And we're going to see this now all season long, aren't we? Because those guys just don't care. The the team has lost control of them on track, basically. Absolutely. Anyone here going to blame anyone other than Perez? No? Okay, good. Well, then we've established blame. It's Perez's fault. And by the way, I am a Perez fan and I am hoping that he will, you know, get this together and just up his game instead of feeling like he's entitled to be the number one driver in, in that team. What he's got now is a battle for his career. He, he's been waiting for his big chance, hasn't he? The whole time he's been in F1, felt he was unfairly treated at McLaren. Well, now he's got a chance to show himself up against a highly rated youngster and he needs to rise to that challenge. Uh, we have signs running Alonso off the track. That was a great battle. And before we say whose fault this was, John, uh, Alonso did a, a great final overtake, didn't he? Where did he cut back in turn one and ended up going around the outside of turn two? I, I love seeing those two on track together. It was it was phenomenal, and I love the whole backstory we've had with you know science, of course, Alonso being his boyhood hero, and there was a lot said about it recently, and over well over the last couple of years, it's got to be said, but this year it's really come to fruition. Science has been getting his elbows out so many times against Alonso; those two seem to be not able to leave each other alone on track, and I think it was a really good battle. And you know, speaking of Alonso, I should just say now what a fantastic drive it was by him. You know, he made the most out of out of what he had, and he did have a good package for this race. You know, around the corners he had a lot of downforce, and that is what also enabled him to make this maneuver. It wasn't as if he was in a terrible car it's not as if he was in a Sauber making this move he was in a car that's got clearly very good downforce so in the corners yes you know he might as well have been in a Red Bull yeah he can make a move and it was a very good move and he made it stick fair play but I think that you know under the circumstances with the lack of power they've got and uh, Alonso's lack of motivation to to really go out and win these races I think he is doing a stunning job we've got some quick fantasy GP results here Michael make a, a give us a quick rundown on how the panel's doing Okay, so the panel at the moment, well, um, so we start off at the bottom. Jake Sanson is down on 190th, unfortunately. <laughs> Jake chinned us uh, off to do IndyCar commentary on BT Sport. So I'm glad, I'm glad he's at the bottom. <laughs> live commentary. He, he does well on commentary, but he doesn't do well in Fantasy GP. If he thinks uh, live commentary on a nationally recognized network on a global motorsport is more important than joining me on a Skype call from my shed, well, Jake, shame, shame on you. Um, above Jake we have Catman F1 uh, he's sitting in 109th 
Um, above then, Spanners, yourself, you're in 95th. Get in. Uh, Summers then is the next one up in 75th. Then we got Alex Van Jean. He's sitting at 69th. Boom. Um, then it's myself. I'm in 29th. It's a real bad drop what? for me this week. Uh, and then we have Trumpets in 17th. Sickening. Thunderbeast up top in 15th. Thunderbeast will love that. Thank you very much for that, Michael. Uh, thank you, Fatal Drum. Uh, Hulkenberg versus Grosjean. Now, this was a really interesting one for me, Matt, because the Has boys seem to have really, really bonded and they've kind of battened down along with the rest of the Haas team. There's definitely like a fortress mentality at Team Haas. And when Magnussen saw the incident up front, he's basically gone, oh, you know, uh, let's try and do a Danish accent. Oh, Danish accents are terrible. Uh, he's basically gone, oh, well, no, I'm not going to try. But he's basically gone, if, if, Hul- <laughs> if Hulkenberg's going to do that, then, because I just realised we've got a Danish guy in our Slack group now and I will it's offend him. Good, though. We've got a Danish patron, so I don't want to offend him. Uh, if... Is that if, if Hulkenberg's going to do that, going to be dirty, then it'll be a dirty race. And then later on, he goes and boots him off track. And I, Magnussen is epic at the moment. Post, I can't decide whether he's Bohemi-ish or my favorite F1 driver. Oh, Magnussen is fantastic. He, 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 he expressed the desire to have Hulkenberg do something rapid. Don't naughty. say it. Don't say it. This is a family <laughs> podcast. I'm not going to say it, but... It was an impressive expression of, I am not the least bit impressed with what I saw today. And I think he was absolutely correct because, uh, in my opinion, Hulkenberg entirely to blame for knocking wheels with Grosjean and driving him off track. Magnussen does the same thing, no contact, and he gets a penalty. So again, we're back to the just insane levels of stewarding where the same thing can happen and it's judged entirely differently. And Neil... This is a massive bugbear for me because what we've seen this season is the stewards have allowed the move where the defending driver can basically run a guy uh, off track. We saw Sebastian Vettel do it in Spain. We've seen it countless times this season without penalty. What's the difference? Why did Magnussen suddenly get a penalty for shutting the door on Hulkenberg? Exactly. If you're going to make a move around the outside, you need to accept the fact that the driver on the inside can just force you off the track. That's that's racing. Um but also, it seems strange that they penalise Magnussen and not Hulkenberg for the Grosjean incident because, again, this goes back to not penalising drivers on the first lap. Um, so, so maybe the stewards were thinking, oh, it's the first lap, you can run him off. And then, of course, they penalise Max. It, it's just really inconsistent and it really annoyed me today, far more than it has uh, uh, for the rest of the year. As John said earlier, generally speaking, I've, I've been okay with some of the decisions made this season, but today, everything just contradicted what we'd seen before. Yeah, I would agree. And and more to the point, I would say if you're going to try and bring any kind of sanity to this, what, what you would look at is, if I'm recalling correctly, the contact with Grosjean and Hulkenberg happened prior basically to the apex of the turn, whereas Magnuson took that wide line on corner exit and simply just took Hulk to the, to the, to the edge of the circuit. And he could have backed out at any time. He just kept his foot in it. I really, really, really think they were different episodes and that Hulkenberg was much more at fault than Magnuson ever should have been. John, in Uh, MX-5s, you just chin it up the inside, don't you? T-bone them, use them as a brake and carry on. You don't. And uh, I I experienced a lot of that. And the the thing is, when my first year of Mazda, I raced two years in Mazdas, um, and the second one was the one I won the championship. And I had a very clean clean year with not hardly any contact, really. But the the first year um, racing in a series, there was so much contact. And 
the stewarding it's it is a difficult one because it's hard to think right in that moment of all the other decisions you've made all year and, and what's been done and it's it's always a gray area it's always difficult and uh, yeah it's a highly frustrating thing because sometimes you feel really aggrieved that someone else has done something and hasn't been given a penalty and other times someone's done something that you think is really minor and they get a big penalty and it's always always a really difficult subject. I think when I was watching the race today, my first instinct was when Magnussen pushed Hulkenberg off and blocked, I thought, you know what, he he's deliberately completely forced him onto the grass despite Hulkenberg being completely alongside. I think that warrants a penalty. But then talking about it just now, you're talking about Vettel not being penalised for Hamilton yep. in Spain, and I'm agreeing with you. I'm sitting there thinking, you know what, you're right. Why wasn't Vettel punished? I know he didn't. Vettel, you know, he he ran too hot into the corner and forced yeah. him off the road that way. Whereas Hulkenberg and and Magnussen was more of an intentional thing. I'm not. But being still, ham- I'm sitting here, yeah. you know, disagreeing with myself. Even I'm not being hamfosy here because it is one of Hamilton's signature moves, and he used to do it to Rosberg all the time. Canada 2016, Austin 2014, and but the stewards were letting it go. So it, traditionally, they have let that move go. So it was really weird to, to suddenly kind of see it penalised. In fact, the only time it's been penalised before this, I think was Austria 2016, when Rosberg went all the way to the outside before the apex to punt Hamilton off. What well, One variable I think we might be missing here is the how far alongside the car is. And I think in a lot of Hamilton's cases, he hasn't been punished because I think he still had a nose ahead of Rosberg in these situations. I think he's driven really hard, but fair. In my opinion... The one today, for example, I thought Hulkenberg was fully alongside Magnussen, and I think that might be a bit of a difference. But uh, yeah. at the same time, I, I agree with what you're saying. I don't, and I don't, I'm not shouting you down here, but show me where it says in the regs that the position of the car alongside has any implication over what you can and cannot do. And this is one of my big bugbears with the rules. Somebody just write down and tell the drivers if they're on the outside and they have a wheel in a certain position alongside you, be it level, be it a nose in front, here's how we expect you to behave if you don't get a penalty. Absolutely ridiculous that they don't have that set out, and it means we get this kind of incon- inconsistent stewarding every every single race. Chat. Um, okay, so chatting about the Haas, Rob Green said he thought the Haas had uh, their elbows out this week. Um, Joshua Clare made the point that everything that comes out of K-Mag's mouth is solid gold lately, um, and that Haas are giving their European drivers a taste of the American mentality. Um, there is a general disdain for the stewards in the chat room as well. Um, Sandra gotcha. Reynolds popped up with a steward who was sitting in Alonso's deck chair. Excellent. Thank you very, very much, chat room. And I hope you like having this format of having a shed head here on the panel, because I think it's something we want to try and recreate and refine. Hey, hey, what's up, Matt? How are you? I'm doing quite well. Can I talk about a thing or is this some other part of the show that I've just missed because I've scrolled ahead in the notes? You do whatever you want. It's your birthday. You can waffle if you want to. Well, I'm not going to waffle, but I would like to share, thanks to Anil, a suggestion from Reddit user, there's no you in Qantas, that from now on the stewards be utterly abolished and instead they should just run online polls as to whether or not the incident is someone's fault. <gasps> so if there's a fault, then they just put up a poll and you vote on whose fault it is. And then if, it, if and then whoever wins or loses, as the case may be, then you get to vote two minutes later on what penalty is applied. And I have to say, we might as well at this point. I love it. I mean, what possible harm could it be caused giving a mass population a binary vote? I mean, what possible harm could be caused by that? Ah, I have no idea. Let me go see if I still have health care. Okay, any other business, guys? We are running long. Um, any other business? Matt, you put in lots of stuff about the Force India incident. This might be a good time 
to mention it. I think the stewards wrote some notes on it that you wanted to inform us of. That was literally what I just went over. All right. I wasn't listening because I assumed you were going to waffle. Yeah, I just want to add something uh, of a a driver that's been in the spotlight a lot recently. And I just want to shine a wee bit of light on Julian Palmer's weekend. Um, He had issues in first practice that weren't necessarily his fault um, in terms of the front wing damage that that obviously that meant he had the old wing for the rest of the weekend. But he put it in the wall in another practice session. He ended up qualifying seven or eight tenths slower than his teammate Nico Hulkenberg. And despite Nico's crash in, in turn one and also slow pit stop, Nico was running comfortably ahead of Julian when he had to retire. So even though nothing really went wrong for Julian this weekend that wasn't his own doing, he still struggled a lot. Yes, and you would be the only person shining light on Palmer this weekend. I have to say that Rur Haggis, although not online, has suggested that we hashtag this fan blame and start promoting it as rapidly as possible. The idea of having the fans vote on racing incidents. John, I take it you're not a Palmer fan. I'm not a big Palmer fa- Palmer fan, and I'm not I'm not a fan of this idea of of fans deciding the instance as well. As much as it sounds amazing, I would be great, but you know, I could uh, I can picture you know the likes of Max Verstappen getting away with far too much, and Julian being penalised for just being on the grid. I have to say, I, I did quite enjoy the radio message that they gave to Holkenberg, which was Julian is slower than you. What a waste of a message. We know that <laughs> <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that should be on the back of his car. Uh, I know, but surely Hulkenberg should be able to get past Julian Palmer on the track anyway. Uh, if he is the terrible driver, we're all making him out to be. And He's John, not terrible, John, starters. Uh, what I'm going to say, John, is you're right. Yes, this weekend there was nothing stopping him and he still didn't do well. However, you could still, if you were being sympathetic, say because he's not had the rub of the green, he's not had the same amount of track time as Nico Hulkenberg. He didn't, for example, just have the experience of a British Grand Prix under his belt, which Nico Hulkenberg did. And that wasn't his fault. Yeah, I think I think to be honest with Julian, and I, I've I've always said it, I don't think he's a bad driver in any way. I would never say that. I think he's a very good driver, and that's why he's in Formula One, and it's why he was GP2 champion. I just don't think he is good enough to justify that manufacturer seat for the for the foreseeable future. I agree, absolutely agree. It's very very hard to disagree. I hope he proves us wrong because he seems like a nice lad, but it doesn't look likely. And with seventeen drivers competing for that Renault place you have to fear for his future next season you know unless he's got a lot more money I don't know how far the Palmer fortune extends I just want to very very briefly get uh, an opinion from Anil and Matt Matt as the host of e-radio show and Anil as the former social media community manager of Formula E wow that takes us back uh, uh Ferrari boss just suddenly out of nowhere just drops Oh yeah, we'll we'll do FE probably probably Maserati. Then walks off, mic drop. That's quite big news for the likes of us. It's a bit weird to give that that bombshell to to an F one program because I was just thinking about F one F one. Then all of a sudden it was just, oh Formula E, really exciting. Yeah, great news. And, yeah, we'll um, do that. Mercedes, Mercedes are going there. Porsche are going there. It's cheap. Um, and if F one is apparently going to move to bigger combustion engines and a bit less connectivity in the hybrid system, yeah. It would be great if we see Alpha. Well, actually, what two teams did he say? He was said it? Maserati was one, I think. And Alpha was and the Alpha. other. He, mm. he wow. said definitely not Fiat and definitely not Ferrari, but Alpha or Maserati. And they were looking at it. But my question to you is where are they going to go? Because aren't all the grid spots kind of taken already? Yeah, they have to wait if they're going to have to wait a few series. Because I think that there was an agreement in Formula E that there was only going to be a certain number of grid spots. Um, and also, I think some of it comes out because the tracks are very short. They can't put too many more teams. But no, that's great. Um, if anyone from Ferrari is listening, expect my CV 
through the post. Okay, we'll get we'll get off uh, Formula E now, except to say, are you really a petrol head if you haven't owned an Alpha? I vote no. So uh, can we talk for a minute about the nightmare in the pits? Was it the heat, John? I mean, do you have a pit crew for your MX-5? I don't know. But uh, Grosjean's guy had a threaded wheel, which caused him to retire. And they, they had a camera picture on the tire man. He looked devastated. And I think what we forget is that for these pit crew, it's their game time as well. Like they are on. And for that guy, bad weekend. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, th- I think you would have probably all noticed this in the last few years. Hungary seems to be bad for pit stops. And, uh-huh. I, and I think they mentioned it on Sky Sports a lot, and I agree. I think it's it's the concrete there. There's something about the way the pit lane is. I've never been there myself, so I couldn't possibly... I've never driven on their pit lane, so I couldn't possibly comment. But I'm going to go off what they say. And also, um, a lot of people don't know how hot and humid Hungary can be. It's surprising how many people... We've lost John again, but he'll jump back in in a second. Give me this fact today, which was quite... Oh, apologies. Can you hear me now, Spanners? Yeah, carry on. Okay, yeah, and I was just saying, I got the fact um, from my sister today, of all people, that Hungary is probably the most, some of the most deaths caused by heat in Europe, uh, in Hungary. And I think people don't realise quite how hot it can be. And I honestly think this has an effect on many things, the surface of the pit lane, but also the pit crew, and also the the, um, actual cars themselves, you know, whether that be the heat, the the, um, wheel guns, or the nuts, and things like that. I just think it gets very hot and makes things tricky. Yeah, it does. And uh, my question was, was was it the same wheel that got hit by Hulkenberg? Does anyone remember? I didn't go check before the show, so I have to plead ignorance. But I'm going to suggest as someone who's dealt with mechanically threaded objects, that can occasionally make a difference. But I'm surprised no one's bringing up also Van Dorn setting a personal best for punting the front jackman in the pit lane. Two meters past his grid slot, he uh, he pulled a Grosjean there. Absolutely, yeah. So lots and lots of chaos in the pits. And I would absolutely love it to get like a former pit crew person on this podcast. If you're listening and you've ever been in a pit crew in Formula One, then please get in touch, jump on, talk to us for five minutes about what it's like to be in the pits for a race. Can I just say, fastest pit stop today, Paul DeResta. That's pretty impressive. First race, he didn't overshoot by two marks. Okay, we'll give Williams pit crew some of the credit, though. Well, what, what I will say about that incident with Deresta, I think Deresta came in very tentatively, which gives Williams the perfect almost practice pit stop scenario. Uh, and I think they're obviously the best team for a pit stop. So I see where that's happened. But yeah, I just wanted to very quickly bring it back to what we were saying about Van Dorn, because we haven't mentioned him once in the show. Um, I think he drove a good race. I think he, he deserved the point. Good. I also agree. But it's time to move on to the podium. Okay, fatal drum, shed head. Michael, are you ready for this? Because as we go through the awards, I want you to pick out a chat room comment as well and give us a version of the awards from the chat room. Well, Michael's prepping himself for that. Uh, why don't we tell you that this is the last chance to vote for Missed Apex Podcast in the Podcast Awards, hosted by podcastawards.com. Now, this is a legit, huge American podcasting industry type awards, and we are on the shortlist. But what we want to do is get on the final slate that will be judged by a panel of judges. And to do that, we need your nominations. Just one each per email is permitted. If you think that Mr. Apex Podcast could be up there and be mixing it with the big guns of the American podcasts and the big sports podcasts and the NFL type podcasts, I think we've got a chance from the interest we've seen so far. Go to podcastawards.com, click nominate. You just have to put your email address in. Then you have to scroll down to sports. 
pick Missed Apex Podcast, and then just make sure you verify that email afterwards. If we could even just get on that top 10 slate, I think all of us here would have big smiles on our faces and just can, and consider that a victory. Uh, and we'd be very, very grateful if you would take two minutes out to do that. Let's do awards, Matt. In fact, actually, before that, an award to Formula One, uh, because I think it's got its groove back. Things like Alonso in Park Ferme in the deck chair, sitting there with his mosaic of it. I think he even did some of the post-race interviews in a deck chair. And speaking to Joe Saywood and him saying about all the festival atmosphere they have in the paddock at the moment, it really does just feel like F1 has just an energy that it hasn't had for years, Matt. Yeah, and you could see it in the broadcast. You could see it uh, if you watch Ted's Notebook walking around. Uh, Liberty is beginning to transform the sport, and it's you're starting to be able to see that in the atmosphere being put forward in the paddock. There's more openness. There's more fun. People are enjoying it again. And I think it's a good thing. Absolutely. Okay, then let's go to our things of the weekend. John Monroe, race driver extraordinaire, our second favorite racing driver we've had on here. So you beat Jeansy. It's just Philpot you need to overtake now. Uh, what was your thing of the weekend? My thing of the weekend was Verstappen hitting Ricardo in on lap one. That was my thing of the weekend. Your good thing of the weekend? Well, I'd say that was the that was probably the most exciting and entertaining thing of the weekend. That's the thing that really that really got me got me enjoying enjoying what was going on and and uh, got gave me the biggest buzz. So yeah, I guess you could say that. The crashes Matt can relate because he's NASCAR. Yeehaw! Let him smash. Let's go wreck some stuff. That's what I like to say. Uh, no, my thing of the weekend, absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt. I can't believe anyone has overlooked this. Alonzo getting fast lap of the race. <laughs> just, just why not? That's equivalent though to his Silverstone Q Q one effort. That's mine as well. And he finished P six. Yeah, it's good enough. And in fact, Matt, on our SBR uh, betting preview, we were talking about you know who would take that sixth spot. And we did predict correctly that one of the top six would get punted off and therefore there would be a battle from the best of the rest. We thought it might be signs, but it's ended up being Alonso. And curiously, when he's sixth, he doesn't get an engine problem that needs him to park up. Uh, my thing of the weekend, where is it? Palmer is my thing of the weekend for avoiding Daniel Ricciardo uh, after turn two because that car was spinning and he had no time to move and he just managed to whip it out of the way and, uh, and at least survive. Uh, who is the chat room's thing of the weekend there, Michael? Um, general Alonso love going on. Um, Sandra Reynolds, Reynolds did pop in with something that no one said so far. Uh, Kimmy and all the rest should stick to reporting. Oh yeah, he said that the rest should stick to reporting. That is so harsh. That's really, really salty. Uh, yeah, very, very mean actually. All right then, let's do the bad thing. Let's do this one. Oh no, you missed the apex. John, what was your bad thing? Who missed the apex for you this weekend? Who missed it? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I would. Max Verstappen certainly missed it. He right. certainly missed you, the apex. You've but I've picked him twice. Yeah, you've picked him twice. You failed. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to park you there. I'm going to let you think yeah. about what you've done, and then we're going to come back to you in a minute. Matt, who missed the apex good. for you? Sorry, gotta be Hulkenberg. He, he he drove. Yeah, he just he just drove a little bit nuts today, and I was not impressed. He's usually a much cleaner driver than that bias much just because he hit american drivers he hit both the american team's drivers and that's now why you're giving him this dishonor nah i mean just again or you know you could say renault as a whole but hulkenberg yeah in particular maybe it was because he hit the american drivers ha so take that oh no you missed the apex anil who missed the apex for you 
It's got to be Verstappen. Yeah. Enough said. Fair enough. Chat room saying Verstappen as well, I, I presume, Michael. Uh, chat room are staying Verstappen, but they're also saying that the Merc Radio missed the apex. Um, just the stewards in general are missing the apex a lot this weekend. Stewards have it for me as well. Um, Stuart, stewards have it for me as well, Matt. Yep. No, I, I have to agree. That's a very good shout. They were really, really, really all over the place and very inconsistent, even just within the race, which is not what you want. Got one, John? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Daniel Kvyat and the simple fact that I don't remember seeing him at any point during the race and I have no idea where he finished and I literally completely forgot he existed this weekend. Yeah, but that's a, an improvement, isn't it, on generally where he normally is. No, we don't want to hear from him at the moment. <laughs> oh, but it's entertaining though. Kvyat is now two penalty points away from being the first driver to get a race ban from pe- penalty points. He's now on 10 and they don't reset for another three months. So... You know, I, I, in, 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 I guess in a way, he's hoping that you don't hear about him for a very long time. Exactly. Last award. Daddy, I want a pony. And I want it now. Go on, Matt. You take the low-hanging fruit. Who wants a pony? I, I'm going to say this. Sebastian Buemi. Okay, it is worth checking out the Formula E race from yesterday. It was the most epic rant I've ever seen. However, foul. Get back in your box. 30, 300 second timeout. And Neil, who pony awards? Oh, now that Matt's raised <laughs> Sebastian Blame me, I can't really top it. <laughs> That's my point. Uh, well, mine. Nothing's going to top that. Mine was going to be Kimmy telling Paul DeResta to stay in the comps box because that was very salty. Uh, as well, I think it was a little ponyish of Daniel Ricciardo. He was trying to be all kind of calm and collected, uh, but he was really needling Max. I know he was angry, but he was sticking the knife in there. Uh, I'll do the obvious one. I think Hul- both Hulkenberg and Magnussen uh, collected various ponies. And in the press conferences, I, I don't know if you caught that on Danish TV, uh, Hulkenberg was the initiator of that conflict, he came over to sort of sarcastically tell him that he was the most sportsman-like driver or something like that. And uh, yeah, Kevin Magnussen told him squarely where to go, Matt. Yeah, he did. And in fact, it says in the notes that on Danish TV, he, he was even emboldened enough to call Hulk a crybaby for coming over and complaining about his driving. That's hilarious. Any ponies from the chat room, Matt Michael? Um, yeah, so the pony from Traff Room, uh, Hannah Hassel saying that Kimmy complained about the resta. Kimmy wanted a pony there. Um, regards to Boemi, there was a lot of Boemi chat going on. Okay, well, catch Matt Trumpets at MattPT55, and he hosts a radio show along with regular guests Chris Rainbow Sparkle Stevens and Neil Palmer on occasion. Jake Sanson also gets involved with that. I will be on that on Monday as well, if I can find time to watch tonight's race in any way, shape or form. And Neil, you're the last person we haven't caught up with today. Where can people find you online? You can find me on that Twitter thingy, uh, AnilP228. You just post Simpsons stuff, though. Um, it's mainly motorsport, but yeah, Sim- I said, okay, 90% Simpsons, actually. You are right. And Fatal Drum, where can people find you online, sir? Um, I'm on Twitter as well as Fatal Drum. Um, like I said, you can find my band on any social media. Just search as 12 Gauge Outrage, also on Spotify. Right. So I've been promising this for a while, but I am officially starting my Indiegogo campaign for my album. You can go look for it this week. I haven't quite finished setting it up yet, but it's going to be called Nightscapes, Matt Ragsdale, and the City Line Trio. So please go check it out. If you like the stuff you've heard me play before, drop me a dollar or two so I can make you an album. 
Just one thing remains. Comment of the week. The honour of picking comment of the week goes to you, Sir Fatal of Drum. Okay, so uh, comment of the week today. There's a few nominations I found quite good. Um, Will McAlpine back in the start saying the rest of should retire permanently and open up a cafe called Paula Paul D Restaurant. Um, Joshua Clare had a few in there. Um, he said the Hungara ring is tough for Merck, but if they don't look out the front row in Spa, I'll eat Ricardo's shoe. I think we should hold him to that one. Um, Paul Wright with the rest of two Ferrari. Um, again, Joshua Clare saying everything is Max's fault. North Korea, Trump, Brexit, Brexit all for Stappen's fault. And Chris Vanesca, just out of nowhere, no one replied, no one said anything to it. Is anyone a Palmer fan? And who do you pick as your winner? Um, I think I'm going to have to go for Joshua Clare with everything is Max's fault, North Korea, Trump, Brexit, all Verstappen's fault. Comment of the week. Make sure you follow me at Spanners Ready on Twitter and the show at MissedApexF1. Stay tuned to our feed for Tech Time. Inside F1 with Joe Sayward, waffle casts, sports bets previews, and of course, after the summer break, we will be reviewing the Spa Grand Prix, the Belgian Grand Prix, as well as in the summer. I don't know, guys, what do you think? A bit more Room 10F1? Get Ryan in to host that again. Uh, we'll have lots of news and hopefully some interviews as well lined up for the summer. Until we see you again, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. Well done to the chat room mod. That the standard has been set there. But you are so Irish. Like you are very, very Irish. I'm sorry for where I'm from. <laughs> no need to be sorry. Look, it's a very diverse crew. We have we have an American, a Scotsman, an Irishman, a, a tall person. A guy from Milton Keynes, you mean? A person from Milton Keynes, yes. That's right. Excellent. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.